Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild. But do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark. Join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft, and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is The Major's Well. Hey Majors, thanks for tuning in. So today's episode revolves around something called an egregore. It's a topic that isn't very well known, but I think it's something vital that we talk about. What's an egregore? Well, it's a Greek word, essentially meaning the watcher, and it's a psychic entity that's created by a collective group mind through thoughts, ideas, and feelings. Sounds cute, but bear with me. Basically, an egregore is an extension of the group's collective ego. This entity is sustained by belief, ritual and sacrifice, and relies on people performing these things for its existence. The people who uphold a certain type of egregore could be described as a cell that's part of a larger system. A different way of describing it is that it's the spiritual being of the group's dynamic. Essentially, it's a spirit of a group, and they can form really anywhere, 
even in places like football matches, rallies and concerts, and once events like these finish, they tend to disappear, but that isn't necessarily a rule. They can form in places that have suffered huge trauma by a large number of people, 9-11 instantly comes to mind, and as people approach the site, they can fall under an egregore's influence. Cities can have them, houses, nations, companies, groups of friends can create them. I also think companies like Facebook, now known as Meta, and Disney have their own egregores. Money and capitalism, definitely egregores. This being said, I think celebrities with a cult-like following, that of Madonna and Michael Jackson, have egregores. Egregores can form around religions and spiritual organisations as well. Egregores formed through religions can also maintain a hold and a presence through physical places as well as objects. Think of relics and holy places. These things act as gateways for egregores where they flow from. So we know that they form when people come together with a similar aim. They become the group's astral support in a way that has been unconsciously formed by the said group. Now, from psychology, we know that the subconscious mind acts independently from the conscious mind. Ideas and concepts form in the subconscious, which form our behaviours and beliefs, which most of the time, we're not even aware of them forming. We think we have control over these ideas and concepts that influence our behaviours, but in actual fact, we are effectively enslaved by them. People have collected and gathered based on these subconscious beliefs, an egregore forms, and it creates a stronger cohesion within the group based on emotions and ideas. The nature of egregores can be quite cult-like at times. They invite people in service of a common goal. The more people that put energy into a symbol that represents the egregore, the stronger it becomes. This thinking can be linked to sacred sites. In terms of the energy instilled within them, it invokes powerful feelings of connection to the divine. Think of the energy that can be felt within churches. It's thought that there's no organized group of people that have not formed an egregore. Therefore, we come into contact with multiple egregores throughout our life that influence our decisions and the direction that our life can take. Now, whether egregores are inherently evil is up for debate. Eliphas Levi, a French occultist, described them as, quote, terrible beings that crush us without pity because they are unaware of our existence. Now, they can be a form of social control, and they can be quite limiting for individuals who knowingly or unknowingly subscribe to them. And these limits aren't necessarily a bad thing. Life operates within limits and requires them, but it's how we interact with these limits on a regular basis and the narratives we form around them that makes them healthy or unhealthy. Personally, I think there are benefits to these entities, but the possibility to become dominated by an egregore is likely, and we should approach that with caution. Over time, these egregores can become independent and ignore those who try to direct them. They can turn tyrannical and cause those who subscribe to them to turn away or deviate from their original aim. Egregores can influence our thoughts, which shape our lives. It begs the question, what egregores are we subscribing to, and how are they impacting on our lives? 
In this sense, egregores don't need to control everyone, they just need to guide and influence the right people, and everything else will fall into place. People can connect to egregores through ritual initiation, which on face value may not be overtly apparent, or through conforming to ways of thinking that the egregore promotes and thrives from. Rituals to awaken or create an egregore are usually conducted around key astrological dates to tap into a celestial cycle. It's interesting to note that equinox and solstice rituals play a huge role for many organizations. Let's look at some egregores that have formed within history. Within the Western frame, egregores have been traced back to the semi-animistic beliefs of the ancient Greeks and Romans. Animism is the belief that objects like trees, rocks, places, and essentially all creatures, that they have a spirit. Everything is animated and alive. Now, the cult practices of ancient Greece and Rome played into daily life as well as foreign affairs. These practices placed an emphasis of living correctly in the physical world so that the invisible world is satisfied and there's harmony between the two. Now, maintaining this harmony was explored and upheld by a priestly class. Essentially, this hierarchy or pyramid creates an egregore. Now, if enough devotion was given to these egregores, they could become independent beings and draw power from their worshippers, essentially becoming a deity. Egregores formed to watch over city-states and empires. Now, if new beliefs came into being and the worship needed to sustain these egregores were directed elsewhere, the egregore no longer looked over the people or the land. It's thought that esoterically, this is how the Roman Empire collapsed. As the old gods lost relevance in the eyes of the Romans, they no longer supported these people, and therefore, the state. On a basic level, there seems to be a contract between humans and egregores. I worship you, and feed into your power, and you feed power into me. At some point when this relationship isn't fruitful, the egregore effectively terminates it. Therefore, the rise and fall of nations can be linked to their relationships with their gods. It also raises some interesting questions about the godly pharaohs of ancient Egypt. They were seen as gods on earth, and if enough people were buying into this belief via praying and sacrificing in the pharaoh's name, could the pharaoh have developed an egregore and one that could have played into their rulership? I don't think we can rule that out. The idea of families who are powerful or who have reached renown is also intriguing. Could there be a case of a powerful egregore constructed through ancestor worship that's been strengthened through a family business, traditions and customs, as well as family pride? It's also interesting to note that certain historically powerful families have had ties with the occult, like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. It also raises questions about the Kardashian family and what Kris Jenner is doing in the basement when the cameras aren't rolling. An interesting phenomenon was noticed by author Robert Masters when working on his book on the history of witchcraft. In particular, he was looking at the witch trials and noticed that authors who had delved into similar work had fallen into a deep clinical depression. He noticed that when he was doing the reading around the historical accounts, things started to happen to him. 
infestations of scorpions and centipedes and tarantulas appeared on his property. Dead birds and animals also appeared, as well as healthy trees and plants dying for no apparent reason. Floods and swirling winds also appeared, which was unusual for the area. In general, an energy hung over the property that was so powerful that when Robert's friends came over, they also picked up on it. Now Robert managed to finish his book, he completed it, and once he did, all these occurrences suddenly stopped, and they didn't reappear for the eight months, after which he then left. Had he tapped into some sort of entity while researching, an entity created from the trauma and pain suffered by those who had faced the witch trials. Now in the 70s, the Toronto Society for Psychical Research conducted an experiment whereby they got together to create an entity that they named Philip. They wrote a short biography around him and commissioned an artist to sketch a portrait of him. With Philip's life and appearance firmly in mind, they proceeded to contact him. For a year they tried to meditate, visualising him to bring him forward, but it didn't work. So eventually, they conducted a traditional seance, whereby they sat round a table with low lighting and placed items on the table that related to the time period they'd placed Philip in, that of 1600s England. It worked, there was a bang on the table. They asked him questions and learned more about his personality. He'd play with the lights and the table, which was always a focal point for activity. This reached a climax when the group decided to film the results in front of a live audience of 50 people. The lights blinked on and off, there was a banging and the table lifted. They decided to create a new group and create a new entity, and within five weeks they created Lilith, a French-Canadian spy. Is it possible to awaken egregores that have gone dormant or that are sleeping? This was supposedly done in 1913, when a group of occultists broke into a Roman tomb and discovered a scepter and instructions on how to do a ritual. They proceeded to perform this ritual every month in an attempt to revive or enliven the egregore of the Roman Empire, which they claimed created a series of events that led to Mussolini's rise to power in Italy. For those who aren't familiar, he was an Italian fascist dictator, less famous than Hitler, yet equally as evil. How can you banish or limit an egregore? Well, first you have to be aware you're actually being influenced by one. How do you do that? Well, it's actually quite difficult. The very nature of egregores is subtle, so detecting them is challenging, to say the least. A sudden and dramatic shift in energy is usually a sign you've come into contact with an egregore that's foreign to you. I think a good way to start this awareness is to think about our goals. What do we want to achieve? And it doesn't have to be huge goals like taking over the world. Perhaps yours is leading a happy life. So think of your goal and what egregores can help us achieve that, and what egregores would be in opposition to this and would be good to avoid. Ultimately, to challenge egregores and their roles in our lives, we have to be willing to critically think for ourselves and not to bow down to dogmas that society requires us to subscribe to. From my understanding, to reduce the role of egregores in our lives, we have to know ourselves, understand our desires and what motivates us, 
understand where our thinking originates from and recognize when it forms from outside of us. Question the decisions you're making and why you're doing them. We also have to recognize patterns and behaviors that don't feel familiar or are out of character. Personally, I don't think we can ever get away from egregores. We'd have to be completely alone and not come into contact with the world, avoiding books, television, music, basically everything. If you managed to achieve this, I still don't think it would be enough. I think how our identities are formed could invite certain egregores as well. On a surface level, I'm thinking of astrological signs as well as archetypes we may embody. Now this all being said, I also think we need egregores in order to function in the world and lead happy and fulfilled lives. I think on a certain level, egregores form a social glue and band people together so we can function within the systems and frameworks that we've built. Now this being said, I also think we should have more awareness with what egregores we subscribe to and actively have a choice in the matter. Some egregores will be easy to leave, like an egregore of a knitting club, for example, where others may be nearly impossible. Think of your nation's egregore. Also, it may be difficult if there are multi-generational connections to the egregore, or if the group that the egregore has formed around has provided support and help in times of crisis. In this aspect, religions instantly come to mind. So, how are we going to banish or limit an egregore? Well, egregores are strengthened and sustained by people performing rituals, which, in my opinion, doesn't have to be a conscious process. I think we're all performing rituals every day to egregores without realizing it. Now, one book I read suggested that in order to completely destroy an egregore, everyone who upholds it and performs rituals to it has to be burned alive. And burning is the preferred method, as if there's bloodshed, especially within a ritualistic framework, that will serve to further strengthen the egregore. It's interesting to note that death by fire was a punishment reserved for most witches and heretics. But this is a little bit radical and a little bit extreme, so we won't be destroying any egregores anytime soon. But we can reduce their influence, so how are we doing that? On a more chill side, the rituals used to sustain an egregore can be stopped and the objects paying homage to it can be destroyed. Now I would definitely burn these. You want to limit your contact and connection to the egregore, which may take some reflection if you've subscribed to an egregore unknowingly. Certain spiritual traditions will assign mantras, prayers, images, invocations, symbols, etc. In accepting this dogma, you may be inviting an egregore to have influence over you. You may consent with this, but you could limit the egregore and its power over you by choosing your own mantras, prayers, images, and so on. Now, Jocelyn Goodwin talks about the idea of therapeutic blasphemy. This involves the idea of desacralization, which is the act of making something less sacred, and we do it around our attachments to whatever egregore we'd wish to step away from. Let's say you're under the spell of the Instagram egregore. You could start talking about how superficial and narcissistic the platform is and how it isn't grounded in reality. The more public this therapeutic blasphemy is, the more power that's added to it. 
You also need plans around what you're going to fill your time and thoughts with now that you've decided to step away from the egregore. The more powerful the egregore, the more time needed to effectively break away from it. A good idea would be to do activities and indulge in thinking that goes against the egregore and its ideology. It breaks away from old habits and thinking and takes you further away from that which seeks to control you. This period will be a process of healing and rebuilding. There may be a period of mourning. Be gentle and be kind to yourself. Nature is said to be a great antidote for egregores. Also, bear in mind when leaving an egregore, the consequences can be a little intense, so it's thought to temporarily seek shelter within a powerful and opposing egregore. Alternatively, is there a way of creating a healthy egregore? Well, a lot of occult writers at the turn of the last century appear to believe that we can't intentionally create egregores, but personally, I don't think that's the case, and I think intentionally creating one within a group is much more sustainable and promotes the group's longevity and health, rather than letting one just form randomly. I did a bit of delving into this, and I'm not alone with my thinking. Melissa Hill, a druidic practitioner, believes that it's also possible and thinks that each member has to be clear with their thoughts, goals and visions in relation to the group. A name for the group has to be agreed upon, as well as a symbol or logo that reflects them and the geographical area they operate within. The group then has to pick a patron deity or deities or spirits through divination or trance work, and finally combine this with the group's narrative. What's the group's narrative? Well, Melissa describes it as a mission statement and suggests that concepts need to be created around this statement. These things combined will create an egregore, but that isn't enough. We have to generate energy, and this process will be unique to your own group. Celebrate the egregore, especially on key astrological dates, and I'd also create the egregore on such a date. Remember I said earlier that celestial cycles are important within their creation. Group-guided trance or astral work to interact and communicate with the egregore, and then each individual talking about their experiences will strengthen the group's connection to the egregore. Generally speaking, the younger the egregore, the easier it is to mould. Once the egregore is established and settled, the focus shifts to communication and negotiation. In terms of working with egregores that you want influencing you, I struggled to actually find anything that was legit and valid, and there isn't a great deal of information on egregores. Just as a side note, the information is small and spread throughout numerous books that's only mentioned in passing. I do want to shout out that there was one book that was particularly useful, and it's by Mark Stavish, and it's called Egregores, The Occult Entities That Watch Over Human Destiny. But back to working with them. To me, I would approach them like you would any deity. Leave them offerings, meditate on them, invoke them. Obviously, each egregore is going to be different, so creativity and intuition is needed on how to approach them. If anything, egregores prove that humans are very capable of creating their own reality via their thoughts and emotions, even if it is more often than not subconsciously. Be careful with your thoughts and the groups you're operating in. What egregores are you giving power to? Carl Jung coined an apt phrase, people don't have ideas, 
ideas have people. And majors, that's it. That is a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path and to talk about interesting parts of history relating to spirituality. I also want to connect you with information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me? With your support, I can dedicate more time to the mage as well. You can financially support me through Patreon, where you'll gain access to more content and connect with the mage as well community. The link for this is in the episode description. If you're not keen on pledging money for whatever reason, but you still want to support, you can follow my Instagram at the mage as well. You could tell your friends and family about the show. You could post about the podcast. And most importantly, you could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This is really important. It really helps because it boosts the algorithm over on Apple Podcasts. And it draws in new listeners and helps get the podcast out there. Please help me out. This is an independent podcast. It's just me researching, producing, and editing. Anything you can do will help. If you own a business and would like to advertise on the show, please get in touch. The show's email is themajorswell at gmail.com. Special thanks to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork. The poem this week is called I Am the People, The Mob by Carl Sandburg. I am the people, the mob, the crowd, the mass. Do you know that all the great work of the world is done through me? I am the working man, the inventor, the maker of the world's food and clothes. I am the audience that witnesses history. The Napoleons come from me and the Lincolns. They die, and then I send forth more Napoleons and Lincolns. I am the seed ground. I am the prairie that will stand for much ploughing. Terrible storms pass over me. I forget. The best of me is sucked out and wasted. I forget. Everything but death comes to me and makes me work and give up what I have, and I forget. Sometimes I growl, shake myself, and spatter a few red drops for history to remember. Then I forget. When I, the people, learn to remember, when I, the people, use the lessons of yesterday, and no longer forget who robbed me last year, who played me for a fool, then there will be no speaker in all the world say the name, the people, with any fleck of sneer in his voice, or any far-off smile of derision. The mob, the crowd, the mass, will arrive then. Peace out, witches, and I'll see you at the crossroads.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 